0: You're listening to The Daily Sweat Podcast, where we are all about doing something that makes you sweat every single day. What's up, friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Daily Sweat Podcast. I am super stoked that you are here joining us for today. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Arianna and I am the host of this podcast. I am a fitness coach, a business coach, a life coach. I do a lot of coaching and ultimately my goal here is to just inspire you to rethink the way in which you live your life and to begin cultivating a life that you can live on your terms because we spend so much of our time trying to live up to other people's standards, other people's ways of being and doing, and it's really easy to get disconnected with what's actually important to us. So through this podcast, through written content, through the work that I do with my clients and just in the way that I show up out in the world, my goal is to inspire you to redefine your life and to do it your way because that's what this is all about. Now, I'm very excited for today's guest. Um, We have Christina Marshall on talking to us about um, healing our relationships with food, eating disorders, um, disordered eating patterns, or as Christina refers to them, um, dysfunctional eating patterns. And... One of the things that I absolutely love about Christina's approach and about this interview is that she really puts a big emphasis on the language that we use to describe our current situation or our experiences. And this is something that I have always been super passionate about with my clients because the way in which we describe our experiences can really impact how we end up feeling about them. You know, if you eat something that doesn't feel great in your body and then you refer to that thing as bad or you say that you were bad because you ate that thing, clearly that starts to turn into a not so positive relationship with that thing or with yourself. So there were quite a few instances throughout the interview where Christina actually corrected me on the language that I was using. And I really appreciate that because I do that a lot for other people and I don't have that many people doing that in my own life me, And I actually got a little bit of coaching from her in terms of how I can kind of change my own relationship with, um, you know, my type A tendencies and my perfectionism and things like that. So it was a really cool uh, interview. I got a ton out of it, and I know that you will too. Now, real quick, um, Christina Marshall is the founder and CEO of Heemang Emotional Wellness. And Heemang is the Korean word for hope, and I love how she incorporated that. And through he Emotional Wellness, she provides psychotherapy and counseling for those who are struggling with emotional eating, eating disorders, and obesity. Christina suffered for more than 15 years with her own eating disorder, so she has much experience in dealing with the very, various aspects of this very serious disease. And during her illness, she was even told that she would never be free and that she was a hopeless case. However, she had a strong willingness to find her way and Christina ultimately developed her own strategy to beat the beast. And upon her recovery, she made a promise to dedicate her life to deliver hope and help to those who are held prisoner by eating disorders. And Christina was nice enough to offer a discount to all of our listeners for her emotional eating services. So In the interview, it does say, or she does mention that the discount is available until the end of June. But just with scheduling and everything, because this episode is actually coming out quite a bit after we did the interview, she is extending uh, 10% off of her packages and programs until the end of August, which is amazing. So thank you, Christina. Uh, Christina is local here in Vancouver, but she does have online programs as well. And she is certified in a number of different training modalities. And I know she just does amazing work for her clients. So I am not going to make you wait any longer. Let's dive into the interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us here on the Daily Sweat podcast today, Christina. I'm super stoked to have you here.
1: Mm, Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, Yeah, my my pleasure. pleasure. Excellent. Now, before we go into the meat of our conversation and really dive into the work that you do, I want to get to know you behind the labels and the titles and all of those mm-hmm. fancy things. I would love to know, like, who is Christina Marshall? What does she like to do in her spare time? How does she recharge? Do you have any fun hobbies? Mm-hmm. Well,
1: I don't have a lot of spare time but I think <laughs> I or I don't have like a chunk of spare time but I have a lot of little time I make sure I have little time in between things um and I just like to sit down with a book and drink nice. coffee <laughs> so sit down with book. but uh and uh and I like uh, the other thing I like is the, to spend time with my children and go for a walk and I used to do horseback riding so that's one of the oh. things that I would like to go you know get back into and I paint when I have time so I paint
0: pictures oh amazing yes that's what I do cool do you do um like kind of abstract art do you like to paint
1: scenery I like to paint sceneries and I like to paint portraits and I also do I work with clay so I do portraits with clay
0: oh amazing yeah so that's wow, that, wicked hobbies yeah, yes
1: yes it's it's really nice It really just helps me to to relax and not to think because I do a lot of thinking I think all the time mm-hmm. and I need to kind of help
0: myself how not to think that's mm-hmm. right yeah Awesome. I find that for a lot of us who have busy brains, whether it's related to anxiety or just, you know, being busy in general, engaging in creative forms of activities like painting, pottery, things like that, like they're so good at slowing down the brain. Yes, definitely.
1: Yes, awesome. and it's very important. And I think it's very important that we recognize that and we mm-hmm. allocate time for it. And it's kind of like
0: it's something that I had to learn and mm-hmm. to do amazing well I'm sure we'll get into how you learned that <laughs> but to begin with I would love to hear a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are today and what led you to doing the work that you're now doing mm-hmm.
1: well it's a very long story and uh, I'm actually writing a book about it it's oh, almost cool. done um uh, but really like the work I do I work uh in the emotional eating field so I put everything under that that umbrella Uh, and like eating disorders disordered eating and uh, obesity and I I dedicated my life to this work after I recovered my own eating disorder and uh, my journey was very very rough uh, towards all the recovery and facing reality and just Just being told that I will and I can never recover from it, and not to have the support was really, really. Tough and I thought if I ever, if I ever make it and I was dying, so I, I said, if I ever make this, I will dedicate my life. So people who are out there and struggling, but it isn't they are in an extreme or they are just, you know, in the middle or having a relapse that they are not alone and they don't face this, that they don't have to hear that, that like, I can't help you or, you know, you are hopeless Uh, Mm and that's how I felt and it was really feeding that hopelessness inside me and I I really had to put on an armor and you know like fight against this and it's yes and that's why that's why I'm here and I think that's what I also hear from my clients like where have you been why didn't we know that you are here um which is which is sad and it's good that I can fulfill this role.
0: yeah, definitely. And, you know, I find that um, eating disorders and disordered eating, I don't know if they're becoming more common or if we're just hearing about them more now because we have different avenues of communication like the internet and social media and whatnot. But I think it's so important that women such as yourself do step forward and share their experiences and show that there there is a way out of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Is it
0: a common thing for doctors and other health professionals to tell people who are dealing with um experiences like this that there is no hope is that a yes. normal yeah wow yeah it's a, it's a normal thing but actually they, they they so I was struggling with
1: anorexia to begin with and they said to me that once an anorexic will always be an anorexic that's wow. that's like I had to listen to this uh, so many times and it is very sad and I think one of the reasons why because uh, there's a very little education on this mm. uh, and they don't really invest uh, their time to to then do some self-studies or whatnot and it's very scary it, it is difficult you know it is difficult to have somebody who is uh, struggling with eating related issues because it's so complex Mm-hmm. just like a magic fix or or a, a surface band-aid and then just you know you need to get you need to just eat or no you need to lose weight like it's it's it's, it's much more complex than that and and that's where they don't just don't want to go down that, that route
0: yeah now after hearing that, after having somebody tell you that there was no way out of this, um how did you cultivate the courage to not believe that and to do what you needed to do in order to recover? okay, so in my case uh
1: it was that i moved um, I moved away from my family and I moved together with some uh of my like i't long distance cousins and they you know I didn't even know them at that time much, but they just showed me so much love yeah. the love that i i I didn't have for myself, and it was kind of like this whole realization that here are these people who don't know me, and they 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 love me like i'm i I'm, I'm I'm kind of like lovable, and on the other hand, I was not really able to die like I, I was thinking. I can't even, you know, I'm still here. So maybe there is something, maybe there is some purpose for me in this life. And if they can love me, I want to develop this love towards myself. Mm-hmm. I want to find find that so that I can have a quality life. Because that's what I was, you know, realizing that, yes, I was still here. I was existing, I was working like uh, 20 hours and sometimes 36 and 48, just because I chose to. Wow. (laughs) Because, uh, and, but I didn't have a quality life. I was Mm. not happy. I could not enjoy uh, things that others could enjoy because I was so like in my own uh, prison, and, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to change and I wanted to have a quality. So I told myself, because it was very difficult, because I had to face reality how many years went by, you know, what I couldn't do and I, now I can't really go back. Uh, and once I overcame that, <laughs> that reality, mm-hmm. which was really, really hard, um, then, then I said, even if I just live like, one more minute, but I spend it, uh, you know, in quality and, and happiness, whatever happiness it is for me, then, then it was worth it. And that's what I want.
0: Mm, I love it. You kind of answered my next question. Um, I, I wanted to ask through your process of recovery, um, what if any kind of curveballs you experienced and how you worked through them? So definitely a big one that just stood out from what you had said was just kind of taking it minute by minute. And feeling that sense of appreciation for each minute, which is beautiful, um, is there anything else that you want to mention regarding that my, my well I think
1: I think was, uh, one thing is for sure like because anybody who is in this state and whether it is because like I don't know uh, you know giving up on ever reaching a, a health goal or or or, or, a, or a mental state that is is that 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 is so important to hang on to that little tiny weeny little hope that is inside you and it's okay to to fight for it to to search for the right help because that's what I did like I had to kind of choose I chose to leave my family and search somewhere else but it was very hard at first because it was my family, but mm-hmm. I had to be kind of okay with it if I wanted to have that quality that I was so looking for. And I think that's often stopping us to to, to carry on on our journey or to even start our journey because we, 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 we feel like we have to be stuck with what we have. mm mm-hmm you see what i mean it, and it, it's very it's so important that's why if anybody comes to me i always tell them like it is so important that you have this conversation with me you go where you think whether you can really relate to me you can listen to my voice you you know how do you feel because that what matters and if i'm not the right fit it's okay to go and search further till you find the one that you need because we are all unique and we have all different needs and the way we understand things is very different.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that you empower your clients with that and that you have the confidence to do that as well. I think that's something that is, is really lacking in the coaching industry and just in any kind of, you know, if you're a nutritional therapy practitioner or counselor anything like that, to really have that kind of open and honest conversation with your clients and that, you know, if I'm not the right person, that's okay because there's some, there is somebody else who is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. And you mentioned choice. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. you now do you think that choice is a big, mm-hmm. uh, a big determinant throughout the recovery process as to whether people come out of it, um, with positive circumstances or whether they end up staying in it? Like, do you think that choice has a big impact in that? I really think that that to so
1: th- th- to answer that question
0: it's very kind of like it's not that black
1: and white <laughs> that's, that's what I can say to it like because there is a reason um uh, that why somebody would have a uh, a dysfunctional relationship with food but it is mm-hmm. eating this or whatever like it 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 some ways it 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 serves them yes right So it's, it's kind of like you want to not to serve you that recognizing that whatever it serves me, it's kind of like, it's tearing me down rather than building me up
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: to make a decision that which one do I want. Right. You know, because it's kind of like a love hate relationship. So if I just tell you, you know, just choose this, like I'm not, I'm really showing I'm not understanding you because I'm not understanding that it's serving you some ways and maybe you want to put it down, but at the same time you need it. And it's almost like, it doesn't make any sense to really drop it to right. the point that you decide, okay, which one do I want? and And that means I'm accepting and I can work with the fact that it will cost me. Yes, so the good things that was coming with it will go, as well as all the negative that was coming. Right. So it's it's very complex. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely.
1: But one thing is for sure, like you know, I really believe that nobody is choosing to have a dysfunctional relationship with food Mm
0: -hmm. or have an
1: eating disorder. But what I the way I looked at myself because I I was really upset when somebody would tell me like even family members would tell me hey why are you choosing this and just stop it and you're just so silly and when are you going to stop torturing us with this silly uh hobby that you have (laughs) and and um so it's very kind of painful and confusing and then I kind of had a good sit down with myself and I realized that when I started to see that yes I do have this problem I I actually have a problem and Mm -hmm. it's really not serving me and it has benefits and and it's really destroying me that now I I have the choice you know like I I need to choose yeah so that's that that that's where the choice comes not to choose to have this but like choosing then to recover or 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 choosing to stay with it but that's Mm. my responsibility and and I need to learn to be okay with it and brave to take that
0: responsibility whatever whatever I choose Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that's really, it's really an important distinction in that Mm -hmm. we're not deciding to have it or not to have it, but even just deciding to take the steps to explore that relationship further. Yes. Now as an emotional eating consultant, um, what do you do with your clients? How do you help them? You've, you've gone into it a little bit, but I'd love to hear kind of the, the, the full rundown on what you do in your work
1: okay so as uh, well I, I i use various modalities um because of my my studies um so i i do combine like cognitive behavior therapy uh neuro-linguistic programming uh psychotherapy uh, just like you know, the basic counseling and nutrition i'm also a holistic nutritionist um and i um and uh, I combined all of this, but depending on the client's goals and needs and where they are at. Because I have clients coming to me for, oh, one thing that I don't do mm-hmm. <laughs> is whilst we are here, because maybe it's easier to answer, like, what don't I do? I don't do weight loss. So if somebody okay. comes to me and tells me, I'm here because I want to lose weight, Mm-hmm. i i can't help them if you are here that you want to change your relationship with food uh and there will be like the byproduct of that is that you will lose weight or put on weight then i can help you mm-hmm. but I, I i i don't because people we, we actually the, those clients of mine they are those people who come to me with with that request that they want to lose weight they they've done so many weight loss programs so they, it's it's not the case that they don't know how to lose weight yeah uh, and if they if they don't have that recognition that means i'm not I, I can't really help them i i um they are not ready really to be helped so i try to guide them through and ask them questions like you know um why why is it so important to you and so on and so forth and if it still just goes down because of like um, I just want to lose weight I I don't do that but those clients who come to me and they say like uh, there are some there are these uh, key um questions or little sentences that they drop on my lap like okay I don't know why but I've been on the diet for the past 17 years or, um, I don't know why this is, but I am so good all day. And the good is in little quotes, mm-hmm. uh Good all day. But when I go home after work, I just finish everything that is in the fridge. Or, or all I can think about all day long is that what am I going to eat next? When am I going to work out next? And then I just feel like I'm missing on, out on so much because I don't even hear what my friend is telling me or what is going on in the TV because I'm just in my head all day long. And so these are the, the, the clients. And the, of course, and there is the, are the eating disorders like bulimia, anorexia, orthorexia um which uh which is kind of like easier to determine like uh that that that, how i can help them Mm -hmm. but those but but those are the, the the fewer clients i have it's very interesting how it's really um especially here in vancouver i find that people do have some kind of a dysfunctional relationship with food despite of the fact that you know, food is available. There are so many lovely places that you can eat or whatever. Uh, it's still an issue. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Would you mind giving us a real quick uh, breakdown of the difference between an eating disorder and disordered eating? Okay.
1: So in, uh, I, okay, I, I'll, 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 give it, but I'll do it in my way kind <laughs> sure. of thing. But like, yeah. like I don't like putting things in, you know i don't box things and i don't really sure. like to, to label things but when you it's more like like so let's say we kind of like uh all have some kind of a disordered eating time to times yes so we use food as an emotional crutch or we use food to celebrate yes so it's kind of like but it's we are it's not something that if it's if it's just normal let's put it in quote, whatever normal is, because I don't think there is normal eating. I don't think that really exists because mm-hmm. everybody who would consider themselves normal eaters would say that, oh, sometimes I indulge on this or sometimes I miss out, miss eating because of blah, blah. So I don't think there is really normal eating. But with um, a disordered eating is something that is, is not affecting your health as dramatically as you have an eating disorder. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of like I would say it's a milder version of mm-hmm. an eating disorder, but I consider so the reason why I'm saying I'm not using labels is because I consider it just the same. Like right. For me whatever you have it is it needs equal attention and just as important. Uh but with an eating disorder it's first of all because it's been recognized so it's been labeled and you can uh, have like all the severity and uh, you can actually being end up hospitalized for it Mm -hmm. but if you have disordered eating for example it's very likely and that's what I hear from my clients that nobody really wants to help you because you are just you are just not sick enough basically this is what they actually hear you are not sick enough to get help so they just end up having this dysfunctional I I call it rather rather than disorder
0: eating like dysfunctional eating for the rest of their lives yeah that's really sad that um it's not really recognized I feel Mm -hmm. like if somebody feels like there's an area of their life that is causing them some kind of pain, whether it's yeah. physical, emotional, spiritual, anything like that, um, we all have the right to heal and to get the help mm-hmm. that, we, that we need. Well, I'm glad that you are able to be there for them. That's that's really amazing. Now, I know that you mentioned um, being here in Vancouver that you're noticing a lot of um, kind of like dysfunctional eating patterns as opposed to kind of the more recognizable, what people would call eating disorders. But are there, um, are there some common struggles that you see among the people that you work with? Of course, maintaining confidentiality and just kind of meaning as like a, an overall kind of, do you see any common patterns or themes or anything like that?
1: Yes. So one of the, uh, well, that is very common is the so the clients walk in and they tell me that they eat from a good list and then when they eat from their bad list then they end up overeating and they struggle with that. So there is a lot of good and bad food labelling is going on. Like that's mm-hmm. a very common thing that, that they would come with their good and bad list. And I don't, I, I, I teach my clients not to have that. Like I literally ask them to write it on a piece of paper, their goods and their beds and burn it or tear it up or throw it away or whatever, like we mm, actively, actively get rid of this uh and if it necessary we do it over and over again yeah. until you really feel it like i don't have this anymore because the it's not it's it's just not helping like we would think it's very helpful like being you know a nutritionist like you would think it's it's so helpful but it's not because as soon as you eat from the bad list you start beating yourself up about it mm-hmm. and and most time. Those who have a dysfunctional relationship with food, they don't stop there. They don't stop like, "I just... Well, why did I do that?" They like might as well then, and then they go on and look for and go out and then buy whatever else that is on the bad list and just eat it all. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it, that that that's really really prevalent, and I think it's it, it's it's difficult because uh, I in in vancouver we are very health conscious and we have all the you know all these places that i like to go to but i'm okay if i can if i go to somewhere else yes mm-hmm. so it's not not that i have to have my smoothies or whatever and uh here, um, you know all, all the things but i think it's almost like you have this the, the most people feel the pressure And there's a lot of food shaming going on Mm -hmm. which leads to the same thing yes that it leads to the the guilt and I'm not good enough and and if clients and they and I have uh, clients from you know working in in corporate field and CEOs and you would be very surprised to hear how uh, they are lacking in self-esteem and confidence and and Mm -hmm. and if they hear these kind of things like, you know, Are you eating that and whatnot and so on. It kind of like leads them to that, like overeating or restricting or whatever. Um, and it's very prevalent here.
0: Yeah, I, I can imagine that. I've seen that in a lot of the people who I work with as well, you know, when especially if we work with somebody who might identify as a type A or someone who's mm-hmm. like very motivated and very driven mm-hmm. and yeah. approaches a lot of areas of their life mm-hmm. with a lot of intensity and passion. Sometimes yeah. that can also kind of backfire on the mm-hmm. way to treat ourselves. Yes. Right. Now for those of us who, who do identify as a type A, like what are some recommendations that you have so that we can begin to be more kind and compassionate to ourselves? Um, I guess, first and foremost, within our eating habits. But I would imagine that will also begin to expand to other areas of our lives. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to,
1: to describe me. So do you identify with type A?
0: I would so say I'm like a recovering type A. <laughs> I see. So describing yourself when you were a type A. So what um, does that mean to you? Like. Well, it sounds, it sounds quite similar to um, what you had described about the, the good and the bad. So mm-hmm. for me, I, I worked a lot as I was working to build my business and I was working full-time and I really threw myself into my work. I really wanted to have control over kind of everything that I was doing. And I was also very, very conscious of the foods that I was putting in my body. And if I kind of strayed from the plan that I had set for myself, I would then beat myself up, uh, feel like crap about it, and then usually go into a downward spiral with Mm -hmm. my eating and just eat all of the things that made me not feel great.
1: Mm. Yes. And how did you – so you said you are recovering from it.
0: Yes. What do you think (laughs) helped you most? (laughs) Um, From the eating perspective, definitely just being – more compassionate to myself. So, you know, if I ate something that wasn't necessarily on my like quote unquote mm-hmm. eating plan, um, not beat myself up about it and then eventually get rid of the eating plan and just kind of get more in tune with my body and feed it what it likes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the the spiritual work and mindfulness that I've done has really helped me in kind of deciphering like what is actually important to me and what is not. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah so actually this is exactly like what what i do like you said a key word is the compassionate you're being like self-compassionate towards yourself mm-hmm. and i think that's what because that so what's driving all this you know being perfectionist and you know pushing yourself and pushing ourselves and i'm definitely a uh, type a um but and is that it's often the reason why you and why we <laughs> kind of like beat ourselves up because we feel shame. There's mm-hmm. a lot of shame. So it's the shame that is feeding that. So when, when somebody has like a, they say, oh, I, I don't have self-esteem, it's really, it's because there is a lot of shame going on. And the, the way like I don't even say, okay, so let's build your self-esteem. It's more like we are working on the let's be compassionate towards yourself. Because I think as soon as I can be loving towards myself, I can get to the place where I'm okay with myself, with all the good, bad, black, and all the colors, you know, in the universe that is also part of me. Like I can be okay with, you know, the Christina who gets tired and grumbles and the one who is like, you know, I don't know, smiling and caring and, you know, always has a good word. Like it's all me and I'm okay with it. Mm, I love it. And I think that's the really how I help uh, these people with these personalities and that's how I help myself. And, and But it again... I have to explore, like, how does it serve you to have this personality type? Because it does, yes. It comes with a lot of things. You achieve a lot, yes. Yeah. So, so again, we don't want to go in the. Let's take it away and let's remove it from. It. No, it's, it's kind of like how do you have this balance? Which I don't like throwing this word because I throw it all the time, you know, around. Yeah. <laughs> but you see what I mean? Like, like, like yeah. how to have that creating that balance and with the self-compassion and, you know, like it's that, that's, that's what I do. That's
0: I like it. And yeah, it, I think it's important because, um, even for me to recognize that a lot of my type A tendencies were what got me to where I am today for it mm. from a positive standpoint. Mm. Yeah. And I don't want to let all of that go. But by the same token, there were also habits that, like, yes, maybe they fulfilled a need to have control or Mm -hmm. to feel a sense of purpose or importance, Mm -hmm. but maybe not serving me in the most effective Mm -hmm. way. So Mm -hmm. it's important to make that differentiation. Yeah, definitely. Um. Now you have talked before about emotional resiliency, and I would love for you to describe to us what that means and how it relates to our emotional eating. Okay.
1: So when I talk about emotional resilience, it's more it's it's like I don't want to use the word balance again, but it's something like that. I'm recognizing my feelings, and I am not um, not driven by them. Like I'm not a puppet of my feelings. I don't know if, if, if that's kind of like you yeah. understand what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, definitely. Because we often feel like that, yes? Like we are like this, this puppet on a string and then we feel this, so we do that and then we do this, but we don't really. Like our head tells us not really, but we still. Like it feels like like we are giving in. And, um, and But again, I'm not, uh, I, I'm not trying to say that feelings are unimportant and like we don't have this gut feeling that we should listen to. But it's like what I, uh, when I'm, I'm having emotional resilience is that you, you become aware that before you had any feelings, you had a thought. Because actually that thought comes first and then come the feelings. And, and it's, it happens so quickly that we don't even realize that. Mm -hmm. like like for example if I smell something on a street and and let's say I I start I, I I become sad I'm thinking like okay why why am I sad now and if I kind of take myself back to the place the moment when I smell that thing my thought was oh it smells like just like granny's you know whatever that she was making when my grandpa was alive and I was very attached to my grandpa Hmm. but I had that thought you see like but I had yeah. to kind of go back and like aha uh-huh, this is what I thought so because when you recognize that okay I had a thought then kind of you are able to choose to go with that thought and engage or just let it pass by and that's kind of like an act it's an action that you do yeah and and that's how you can build the emotional resilience because after that, that that means that we'll bring new emotions, yes? So that you can handle your thought and feelings and you have that connection. And whatever you know life throws at you, you 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 kind of like so insightful to yourself that you you understand why you feel that way and you can handle it.
0: Yeah. That is really powerful. Yeah. My, my question regarding that is it's such an automatic response. We have that feeling as almost like as soon as we have that thought, as you said, right, it happens so quickly. How do we begin to, I guess, familiarize ourselves with our thoughts before we ended up allowing our emotions to take over us? How do we begin that process? Mm-hmm. so I think it's it's
1: something like that it's 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 a work yes <laughs> so it's it, <laughs> it, 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 it's work and it's dedication so you need to be dedicated to yourself to to kind of like when that happens like you know when you, feel, you 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 catch yourself with an emotion to I I recommend writing down you know your feelings and and whilst you're writing it down how you feel I'm asking you to like, ask yourself and explore yourself. Like, let's say if it's like, I feel, hmm, let me get an example. Okay. Let's say I, I, I drop a book out of my hand and I'm like, oh, like, I feel annoyed. And then, Mm -hmm. so I'm sitting down and I'm thinking, okay, I'm so annoyed. And then probably the next, Thing I just feel even, yeah, like anxious. Why am I anxious? And then I'm thinking, then I, I hear myself thinking, oh, because you always drop something. And then, then here comes the work when I question myself, do I really always drop? Is, is it really true? How true is that? What's the evidence that I'm always dropping something? And then kind of like, it's almost like somebody is shaking me because there's no evidence. And definitely I don't always drop something yeah. out of my hand. You see what I mean? So it's like this kind of, you, you work with yourself and you write down your feelings and you explore your thoughts. And it's, it's just deciding like today, from today, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, to dedicate myself to my feelings and thoughts. And then, and then this whole, um, like analyzing yourself, it becomes automatic. You see, like just like your emotions were so
0: automatic, just to become aware of it will be very automatic. Mm, interesting. I am definitely going to start trying that myself, <laughs> just with sure. the little things. And I've noticed too, um, when I started practicing meditation, it was almost like I had to keep doing it for a really long time before I noticed any benefit. And then all of a sudden, one day where I would normally be reactive, I wasn't. And I was like, wait a minute, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd imagine it might be a little bit similar like this. Maybe, maybe not take me as long, but it's kind of cool when you surprise yourself, when you behave in yeah. a completely different way
1: yes and again then uh, then it's something like that you need to kind of make a note of it like do you like it or mm-hmm. what does that surprise mean? because sometimes even though it's it's good you kind of like you're missing the old ways and right. then okay so why is that how did that serve you because that means it will be hard to let go with although now you are aware and you see the other side but somehow there's still some kind of a battle going on and um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting how it opens other doors and mm-hmm. but that's, that's gross, isn't it? That's like traveling on a journey and, and growing and, you know, opening your horizon and, and embrace whatever comes with that. I think that's really what it goes down to.
0: Yeah. It's, it's the beautiful part of life. And I was Mm -hmm. speaking with somebody earlier today about that. And sometimes you're like, whew, I got myself in for a wild ride. Once you start Mm -hmm. to really analyze your thought patterns and your beliefs and everything. And at times it's easy to be like, what am I, what am I doing? It's, it almost feels a little bit easier to go back to that state Mm -hmm. that you were at before. But I think once you get started and you realize the benefits that you've already experienced and those that are ahead of you, it's, you can't go back. You need to to keep moving forward in whatever way that looks like for you.
1: I think so. But I think it's also important to know, because I tell like uh, uh, my clients that when they say, what you just said, you, you, you can't go back. Like, no, I can't go back because I know like, you know, how this is serving me. And I said, well, the beauty of it is that you can go back. Like Mm -hmm. you can, I mean, it's your, Choice. You you can decide, and it's it's like, are you okay with it or not? And if not, then then choose not to go. Then just say, okay, I, I can go back, but I don't want to. This mm-hmm. is what I want. Now. You, you, you see what I mean? Like it's it's like yes, you can. <laughs> we have so many things we can do, but is it? Do you want to? Right. And are you, you know, are you taking ownership over the fact that yes, I do. No, I don't.
0: Yeah, it puts you back in the driver's seat. Yes. I like it. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, I would imagine that you have a lot on your plate between being a mother and doing the work that you're doing and writing a book. How do you juggle everything in your life? Oh
1: <laughs> Well, <laughs>
0: I think it's still like
1: learning in, 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 in progress kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I kind of like have mixed days good bad makes you know not so hard but but the thing is like i uh, i i'm okay with it like i don't beat myself up for it but definitely one thing i learned over the years is that it's it's the quality not the quantity Mm. so if i have only like i don't know like two hours um with the children at home before I leave the house, instead of stressing about it, that it's only just two hours. And all, I'm just like, let's embrace it. So what can we do in these two hours kind of thing? You see? And I think that's what I'm learning, even with friends. Like, instead of like, oh, I only have like 10 minutes coffee break. It's more like, oh, I have 10 minutes. That's great. Mm-hmm. Like, what can we do in these 10 minutes? Like, and that, that's, that's how. And I spend... I make sure that I spend time just me, like like literally. I, I talk a lot to people and I listen a lot and I, I like to and, I, and I'm really making sure that I have my own just me time, like nobody's around me. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and if it means that I walk home from downtown to North Shore, I, I would do that.
0: Good for you. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a good walk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, Well, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Would you say that you identify as an introvert? An introvert, did you say? Yeah. Uh, I know you mentioned that you don't like labels a whole lot.
1: Yes. <laughs> I think it's... Yeah. Yes. Because I think I'm, I'm kind of like, because you know, the introverts are usually are so busy inside. Mm -hmm. So that's why you just kind of, I think so. I I think I'm like that because I'm, I'm kind of like, because I I am comfortable. I can talk and I can be quiet. Yeah. Like I'm kind of like that, you know, I can be very, you know, outgoing, but I am equally happy just to be within a crowd and say nothing.
0: (laughs) Just smile. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, um, and I love the mindset shifts that you shared as well. Too, instead of like having the the mentality of "Oh, it's only ten minutes," instead being like, "Yeah, I have ten minutes. What am I going to do with it?" That's yes, really cool.
1: Yeah, I think that was a huge for me. That like it 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 really ha- I really helped myself with that, and I'm so glad I I got to that stage and I and I recognize it and and I I can do it.
0: Yeah. Hmm we we touched on this a little bit, but, um, pertaining more to the eating side of things, but I'm, I'm curious to know, like if you have a day where you don't cross everything off the list and maybe your juggling act wasn't as smooth as you had wanted it to be, um, how do you handle that personally? Like what, what ways do you either show yourself compassion or adopt the try again tomorrow kind of mentality? Okay. So
1: I don't do try again tomorrow. Okay. That's one, that's, one, that's one thing because that's already, then I'm setting up a rule for myself. Mm. And, uh, and I think that's the other thing that I work a lot on that, that I don't, I, I try to minimize rules as much as mm.
0: possible. I like um, it.
1: Yeah. So it's just like, this is high risk today that's how it is and that's what I tell myself and uh, if I'm overwhelmed and unhappy really unhappy about it I let myself cry um, or uh, well don't shout really <laughs> you know, but but like I, I would just go outside and 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 I have a good Good walk, but like that's a power walk. So I'm not doing it. So I don't kid myself anymore. I'm not saying, "Oh, I'm doing this walk because it's like I really like it." No, I'm doing this walk because I want to get out this energy that <laughs> is like boiling inside. Um, before I just tear down a house, and so so I do that, and then after all that, so when when I have all these, you know, energy coming out, I do something that that I know is soothing so i my favorite thing is i have this vanilla epsom salt uh, and i put it in a bath and make giant bubbles and i just relax Mm. with candles on that's that's my thing so when when at when the children and my husband sees me going with the candles (laughs) and things they know that okay we're not going to disturb mom this is her time Mm. nobody even enters the bathroom (laughs) and it's just and it's so nice and it's so funny because at first I was kind of like hiding it from them and then I would get upset. Why did they come in? Why are they knocking on the door? And like, it's almost like I didn't really give myself permission to have this. Oh, uh, But then when I, when I actually said to them, okay, when I was like, I said, okay, that's it. This is like it's not working. It's really not giving me what I'm looking for, what is missing. And what was missing is that I really didn't, allow myself to be vulnerable in front of them and tell, tell my family that I need this mm-hmm. so I, I went out and I said okay mommy needs this and you know I will be there and daddy is here and and just go to him and, and let me have these few minutes and then um, you know we can get on with our lives and and they they did they accepted it and it was amazing <laughs> Like, I was so surprised that, yeah, I just had to be really me and be okay with it.
0: Yeah. yeah. We just got to state our needs. Mm, yes. Yeah. Cool. Now, do you have any favorite resources that you'd like to share with our listeners, whether they're books, podcasts, blogs, anything like that? Hmm, well, that's a tough one. <laughs> because I I I read a lot of you know
1: psychological books and I read a lot of uh self-help books but not yeah I'm just interested so I think there are good well I have my blogs that's one thing Perfect, which we will link to
0: in the show notes yes
1: (laughs) which uh and I I've been a little bit quiet on it but uh I'm going to pick up uh on it soon and uh But I think, I don't know, because for me, the best thing I feel that, you know, uh, connecting with people and they can lead you to resources that the best resonates with you. So I I guess like if people resonated with me, then I would lead them to to my blog. But um, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, but that's really...
0: That's okay. Again, it just boils down to what works for you. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that's why I find it
1: really difficult to give resources because I know that some of them that I have, and I shared even with my friends or colleagues, they said, no, really, like, I don't know how you can, you know, even read this.
0: So (laughs) what works for you? (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Now, where can we find you online? Um, whether it's social media, your website, if you have any um, courses, products, programs, anything like that, tell us all the goods. So
1: my website, so I, I believe you have the link and you're going to share yes. that. So I have the website and the web at the bottom of the website that, that, that is a link to all the blogs that i have uh written on the website there are the programs that are currently running like some short programs and longer programs and promotions so there's a program to uh just like a base basics of getting an understanding uh of how your emotions ruling uh and dictating how you eat and Mm -hmm. how to kind of be aware of it and how to like uh step towards the direction to overcome that and and learn to manage your emotions Uh, and then i have a new promotion which is going to end at the end of the the um, this month but it's anybody who signs up they get an extra 10 percent off on any of the packages that i i have and uh, and the other resource that i was just thinking as you were saying is there is the national eating disorder information center and it's uh, like nedic Mm -hmm. that's the abbreviation and it's a Canadian non-profit organization and it's and it's providing a lot of resources Um, and I think that's something that I find useful I am also on their website uh, as a service provider and Mm -hmm. and 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 yes I I really like this uh, organization because it's for for like everyone like whatever
0: you are struggling with it's not just particularly if you have an eating disorder excellent um, well I'll be sure to link to all of those in the show notes sure. um, and yeah thank you for sharing that last resource with us I'm sure um, many people will find it helpful mm-hmm. awesome well thank you so much for your time today Christina this was such a valuable interview um, I know I took a lot out of it and I'm sure our listeners did too
1: mm, thank you Ariana thank you for having me yeah of course That uh, yeah, was
0: it I had a great great time thank you excellent and to our listeners as always thank you so much for your time and your energy and for allowing us to hang out in between your ears i will be back with you next week with another episode of the daily sweat podcast have a great day just a friendly reminder that you are actually able to get a hold of that discount that christina mentioned until the end of august so be sure to go hit her up all her info is in the show notes